Welcome to the Washdown Podcast. And tonight's guest is Steve Farina. Steve began his career as an on-call firefighter with the Township of Langley Fire Department in 1992 and five years later joined the Coquitlam Fire Rescue full-time. He was elected to the Executive Board of IAFF Local 1782 in 2005 and was promoted to captain in 2015. In addition, Steve is a VP on the BC Professional Firefighters Association, which represents over 4,000 professional firefighters across BC. He chairs both the BCPFFA's Health and Safety Committee and their Mental Health Task Force. Uh, He is also a member of the Coquitlam Fire Rescue Critical Incident Stress Team, and has taken lead in diffusing a multitude of critical incidents. He also serves as a peer supporter for his co-workers and has organized and hosted several mental health awareness nights for firefighter spouses and partners. He represents the BCPFFA on the BC's First Responder Mental Health Steering Committee, chaired by WorkSafe BC. Uh, We had a great conversation with Steve, Um, learned a lot of stuff, like I said, it was just a great conversation. Um, so check him out, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Make sure that uh, you like and subscribe and follow on all that stuff on Spotify and on YouTube. So here you go. Here's the Washdown Podcast with special guest Steve Farina. So... It's even got the uh, English version of the word behavioral. Yes. That's fancy. It messed me up. I was like, oh, that is behavioral. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the, it's not the American version. It's the the English version. (laughs) We put a, we put a U in that and in honor as well. That's you guys. Extra letters, man. Yeah. (laughs) I'm doing good to spell honor without the U. (laughs) Oh, well, uh, Steve, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Um, my pleasure. why don't you, uh, go ahead and, uh, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're on the show. And then, uh, we will go from there. Sounds good. So I'm, my name is Steve Farina. I'm with the BC professional firefighters association up here in Canada. So we represent about 4,500, uh, professional firefighters here in the province. And I'm one of the vice presidents on that association. And also, like yourself, I was working last night. I'm on Injured One as a, a suppression captain in Coquitlam Fire Rescue. I've been doing that for just over 25 years. And I was a five years as a paid on call firefighter. That's how I started out in uh, Langley Township, a little, it's a little 200 person fire department here in the uh, lower mainland. So I've been doing everything since uh, health and safety, mental health related. I was a tech rescue instructor. High angle, did some dispatching, uh, relief dispatching, was worked in the training division. So I've had, um, wore a lot of hats and uh, I'm excited to be part of our, we have a mental health committee for our workers comp up here. It's all the first responder organizations and I get to sit on that, running conferences and uh, developing resources and education for first responders and mental health professionals. So what do you do in your spare time? (laughs) (laughs) I know, man. I'm trying to unwind a lot of stuff as I retire, as I wind down to retirement, I'm trying to take off some hats and hand off some duties, but yeah, I mean, I try to get in, I got a great river here that I can kayak in and I've got uh, 
my daughter and I would travel together. You know, we just got back from uh, Hawaii. We were in Maui for eight days. So I do try to get some R&R in there and yeah. uh, or else we explode, right? So, uh, yeah, well, you know, there's that little thing, self-care yeah, that uh, <laughs> a lot of us <laughs> yeah. first responders aren't so great about. <laughs> right. And I like to say that self-care isn't selfish and we got to stop thinking of it as being selfish. I think we're always so giving to everybody else that we need to give back to ourselves, right? Oh, you know what? That is it's such a good point. And it's very, I wish Moran was here to say that or here to <laughs> hear that. We got a buddy that normally does the podcast with us and like th- those would be great words for him to, yeah. to hear. Um, but uh, yeah, it, and it's one of those things of people seem to think, okay, I can't take a step back and go on a vacation because like, I don't know how it is for you guys up there about being short staffed and call volume going up exponentially and all that stuff, exactly what you're experiencing. But for us down here, that's what it is. We're, you know, everybody's understaffed. We're police departments, fire departments. So, you know, you've got overtime, mandatory overtime and, you know, well, if I take a day off, then that's going to put a burden on, you know, Joe and it's, well, I can't take a day off now. I know. It's a vicious cycle. We do. We definitely short staffed up here in, in EMS and the policing and fireside for lots of smaller departments. And you're right there because we're such a conscientious bunch. There's that you feel like you need to, you can't take a day off, right? Or else someone else is going to take on that extra burden. And it's that adds such stress on top of all the call stress, life stress, everything, that organizational stress piece, sanctuary trauma or whatever you want to call it. That just adds another rock to your backpack. Uh, yeah. And the backpack's already full. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's not a backpack anymore. It's a rucksack for a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just get a bigger container. It'll be fine. That's right. So yeah, I, I do have a question here. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, since your healthcare system is different than ours, yep. do you think that plays a factor in how busy your EMS is? Now, like, so if you if somebody calls for an ambulance, do they have, do they get a bill or not? I guess they the don't. Question. So yeah, the beautiful thing and about universal healthcare is you got a problem, you know, you call, we haul, that's all. I mean, that's our motto. And uh, you're not charged um, at all. I mean, we pay significant taxes to have that luxury. And do people take advantage of it? Oh, hell yeah. I was just on a medical call. We run we run medicals as well on our engine. And uh, we were just at one, she had a sore throat, which called 911. And the ambulance picked that's her up to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, even, even though, so we, you, most places, there are cities that if, if you, you know, smaller ones, they'll pay the bill. Like we have one next to us that does that. If you go to a certain hospital, right. uh, for us, we don't have that. We're too large. And then, right. but we still have the, you call, we haul motto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't the main, the toothache, ran them all. We don't have the right to refuse service. Yeah. No, but they, still, but, oh but they do get a, we do get a bill here if you take the ambulance. Right. Even though you're, you know, you're depending on what your injury is that like your health insurance will cover a portion of it. Right. Maybe, mm-hmm. but it depends on all that. I just didn't know yeah. if, because I know you had universal health care, so I didn't know yeah. if that played a factor in you guys being maybe a little bit busier than what you would if you were maybe our shoes. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, I don't think people, everybody takes advantage of it. You know, typically, you know, I would say 10% of the calls, you're like, oh my Lord, like seriously, you called for us for that. But, you know, legitimately people call in one. I think they don't, aren't, don't feel entitled. They don't take advantage of it on the greater side. But 
I mean, 60, 70% of our calls are still running medical, right? They, they take yeah. up a large portion of our call volume. I think we're at 85% medical now. There you go. La- the yeah. last time they did the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. so what about work-related injuries for you guys? Was that added stress? Because like ours, we're, we're, we're taking care of very well if we get hurt. I mean, yeah. you're into the specialist really quick. Your MRIs are quick. You're, mm. I, mean, I had two surgeries last year and they were both quick. It just recovery That's was awesome. long between the two. Yeah. And is that through a compensation system like workers? Yeah. Comp we, yeah. We have or? workers comp, yep. but the city yep. provides it and they've set, they set everything mm-hmm. up for us. And it's quick. Brilliant. I mean, I wish more cities were like that. We, because we rely on our workers comp to run those claims, if it's work related, whether it's a physical claim or mental health claim, it depends on your case manager. Sometimes you can get expedited services where you're just like, you know, in for knee surgery, out recovering and physio and off you go. And then, other people have nightmare uh, situations where they're waiting for specialists and they're waiting for surgery. And then COVID threw a freaking gigantic wrench into that with yeah, surgery yeah. and wait times and everything, <laughs> that right? threw a wrench in so, ours, too. No. Oh, my God, everywhere. <laughs> Globally, <laughs> so, right? So, so now when you guys yeah. get hurt, do you get – do you have a system where, like, you get 60% pay, 100% pay? How does that work for your guys? Yeah, it's different across the country for us. So here in BC, depending on your collective agreement, for us, we get top up. So we get, you don't see any change in your net pay. The city gets reimbursed from workers comp up to a certain wage max, and then the city takes care of the rest. So as a captain, you know, I'd get paid up to, I think it's just over 100k from workers comp, and then the city pays the difference for, for me. So I don't see a change in pay at all. And okay. so but then same, my, same my, with, we got. Same with yeah. you guys. Yeah. And then of yeah. course, other departments are 80%, some are 60, like same thing, like right across the country, it's different. So we're very fortunate here in BC. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I, you know, that was one of the biggest things it takes. I know, I know it's small, but it takes something off your plate. When you, if you Absolutely. Get you don't have to worry right, about man. it because you get your base salary. Now your yep. overtime, because we're both overtime guys. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I don't think I've had a normal paycheck and, a while. <laughs> the last one right. paycheck I had was when I was still hurt. As soon as I came back, I started working overtime right. again. And that's crazy. Eh? That's a huge yeah. burden. We get burnout rates from that, like burnout from overtime. Like we got guys in smaller departments that have like short staffed, and they are refusing overtime because they got no time with their families. They're just like you can't work anymore. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys find that it's just like you're freaking. Where's a day off? Pay is yeah. great, but man, you're you're burnt. How can you enjoy it? Yeah. Well, I set a, me personally, I set a rule for myself of 48 hours. That's it. Like I will work two days in a row and that's good, but I'm going to take a day off before my next shift because we run that 24, 48 Mm -hmm. shift. Gotcha. Um, Because if you end up working three days in a row, you're going to work four days in a row. And that's, I'm no good to anybody after four days at the fire station. <laughs> right. You're no good on your first day. <laughs> uh, we used to, when, uh, we were, when we were firefighters, we worked together a lot. Yeah. We, we, went, times. we went through the academy together. <laughs> yeah. We were at the oh, same wow. station together for That's seven awesome. years. Yeah. Seven or eight. Yeah. So, and then again, and then again before, for, before we got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. cool. You guys have um, been detached for a while the, there. That's awesome. The, the district I'm in, there's just not a whole lot of overtime. So it's, mm. you know, I don't get hired as a captain very often. Usually it's as a firefighter. Right. Honestly, I can get hired as a medic whenever I want. Mm. Just been taking a break from it. I need to get back yeah. to it. But, yeah. you know, it's it's there. I just, I try to spend more time at home. 
Yeah. I got used to being at I, home every night and it was kind of nice when I was on a 40 hour schedule. <laughs> I slept better. I, you know, it was normal sleep. I, I felt like I was happier. I was yeah. more fun to be around because I was on a normal mm-hmm. sleep schedule and I had normal sleep. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. That circadian rhythm piece is something I've been, we've been delving into. I was part of a, the Canadian uh, Standards Association developed a fatigue risk management standard for first responders. And so we I was got to be part of that. IFF Canada had a bunch of reps on it right across Canada. And we had some sleep experts and that fatigue piece was very, very interesting, man. Like the different shift patterns, like for us, we work back to back nights. So we work two, two tens, two fourteens, and there's that no break between night shifts. If I get slammed on the first night shift, like I'm in fatigue, I'm in sleep debt. And so that's definitely opened up our eyes in the last little while is how important that circadian re- rhythm regulation is. Like, like you said, you act like a different person when you're sleep deprived. Yeah. And, and we're starting to see a lot more, well, not even the biological impact on your body, like increased heart disease, increased diabetes, the mental fatigue, like, and then just you're acting like an asshole to your family and friends and have, yep. you know, it's yeah. and it adds all those things you talk about that rucksack full of shit. And then you throw yeah. the shift work and stuff on top of that and the sleep interruptions. Oh my God. The yeah, recipe is a disaster. Everything about the schedule for the job is not good for long-term mental health. I not mean, it's really not because nope. I mean, no matter how hard you try, you know, you're going to get, like we were talking about earlier, you're going to get woken up at night more than likely. So yep. that circadian rhythm is going to get jacked up and those that uninterrupted REM sleep, that's whenever your brain is processing all of that stuff and flushing out all those toxins. And if you're constantly not permitting yourself to get into that, yeah, all that stuff is just building mm-hmm. and it makes it even harder. So you're already starting at a deficit oh, as yeah. far as your mental health is going. Big so what, like what led you to get involved with mental health? Like, was that something that you were, yeah, like at the beginning of your career, you were like, I want everybody to be mentally healthy. Or was this something that later on, <laughs> you know, dude, it was not even on my radar when I first started in the fire service. However, the paid on call fire department I was involved with, we had two ex teachers or they were teachers in our training division. And they were kind of like visionaries back then. We're talking early nineties and they started CISM critical incident stress management back that back in the nineties. And so we started, I got an introduction to that and I was part of the team and did some diffusings. And so, but then it kind of put a pin in it. I became a full-time firefighter and, you know, I may have taken part in it, but I wasn't directly involved. So flash forward, you know, 20 years later, and we have two back-to-back suicides in our, one of our neighboring departments. Uh, There were six, seven weeks apart and it just slammed us. I was back in 2015. And that kind of like leapfrogged me back into that mental health world. I was sitting on the health and safety committee. We're like, holy shit, this is like rung our bell. And what are we going to do about this? And so we started surveying. I got involved with the committee. And at the same time, our first responder world basically said, holy shit, we got to do something about this. This is like mental health is an issue here. And it started coming out of the shadows at the same time the IFF said, you know, PTSD coming out of the shadows. And it was sort of everything happened all at once. And then, boom, I got pushed into this role where I'm like the mental health guy and uh, you know, we're pushing peer support, CISM, we're creating programming, creating. And that's when I met Dr. Duncan Shields and Dr. Cool through my buddy, Tony Spies. He was a, a local a fireman that I did some side work with and we're chatting, we're doing a con space standby and we're chatting. He's like, fuck oh, man, I got all my buddies are hurting. And I'm like, same here. Everyone's reaching out. 
we got to do something about this. And then that's what pushed me into that whole firefighter resiliency program we started up here in BC back in 2017. And I said, Fuck, we're doing this. We're going to do what the veterans are doing to support them. We're going to do that for our, our firefighter family. And I, I was able to get some grant money. I was shopping at Costco for the, like it was a four day kind of not retreat because it, it was inpatient. It was like four days of just heavy lifting, man. Just eight, eight to 10 firefighters being led by a couple of really talented clinicians. And we were just doing some psychoeducation, some storytelling and some bonding and some healing. And uh, it's been life-changing. It's literally transformed the BC, the BC fire service when it comes to people taking a knee, reaching out. I mean, we've got a, $400,000 grant from November to help run our program. So it's like, we got some international, like, ah, freaking support. It was unbelievable. So yeah, I, that's interesting how I got into there. I never thought for sure why I would be in the mental health world, but here I am, man. And still so much work to do. <laughs> Holy yeah, mackerel. That's one of those never ending worlds. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, the- always going to learn something new and it's going to evolve and, find oh, a better yeah. way to help and treat and, and all that. Yeah. It just doesn't stop. Yeah. Well, and you we're you're talking about, there has to be a culture shift, you yes. know, and is that culture ever going to shift a hundred percent? And, you know, cause that question has been asked uh, of me of, you know, cause mm-hmm. the reason that we started the podcast was, you know, we want to raise awareness and tell people yeah. it's okay. And, you know, reach out for help and here are resources and, you know, this and that. And it's like, well, yeah you know, what happens if, uh, you don't succeed or, you know, I'm like, well, what else am I going to do? I, I yeah. can sit here and just got to try. Mind. Yeah. yeah fuck. I'm tired of seeing, I'm trying to go to funerals, man. I'm yeah. tired of seeing my brothers and sisters hurting and this, this having these conversations and making it normal gives permission to other people to reach out and talk. And I think that's what we're doing right here is just taking just a bunch of regular dudes talking about the shit that we see and admitting that life can kick you in the balls. And, but there's a family of people that are also getting kicked in the balls, I guess, if you want <laughs> collectively, yeah, yeah. but we're all to support each other through that. Right. And it normalizes it. It's like, yeah, I seen that. I've seen that been that, yeah. uh, been through that. And then it's not only just the work stuff, it's life stuff too, man. Kids, guys got kids in hospitals. It's like your parents are having trouble. Like my mom was in the hospital this summer and you just, it's just, that's life. Right. Yeah. Gotta yeah, be able I mean, to take a knee. Yeah. You got all of life stuff that everybody, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. That yeah. everybody has. And then you compound it by dealing with everybody else's life stuff. Yeah, you know, their exactly. worst day. That's whenever we yeah. get called. I mean, if you think about it, step back and think about it logically. If you weren't affected by it, you would be a sociopath. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, 100%. like that is not yeah. normal. Yeah. Yeah, and that's very to... telling, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and maybe they've just pushed it down so much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got guys on my job. Yeah, and you wonder, like, it, how come that job, that call didn't affect you? And I'm like, look at them. I'm like, it's because they pushed it down for so long that they don't allow themselves to feel, right? Yeah. And that works at the time of the call. We know this. You need stoicism. You need to be able to, to respond and do our job. But when that shows up at the freaking family table, and at home and with your kids, it it's that's not healthy, right? Yeah, and, and so that's not okay. Turning it off, and that's not yeah. okay, right? And it's incumbent upon us to you know check your freaking ego and take a knee when you need to, right? Because I think we need to change that narrative that it's 
when you show vulnerability, that's strength, man. Like when you're asking for help, that's strength. It's not weakness. And we, and so often I was brought up like shit, man. I remember responding to, it was a SIDS call. We were coming back and the captain is a crusty old captain. He had this beautiful, like enviable mustache, like just like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Right. And he just kind of, he turned back to us and us, you know, I was like green kid in the back. And he's like, any of you pussies needed diffusing and talk about this call. It's like hell no, no one's gonna talk, right? No, yeah. Like, yeah. Nope, I got, I'm good, Cap. No, I was good. I, I see dead babies all the time. It's all good, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, it's like, oh yeah, twenty some odd years old, and I'm like, holy shit, like I'm not gonna speak up. Yeah. But now as a captain, I turn around. I don't even give him an option. We go back to the hall. Like we're talking about this, whether it's on the tailboard or at the kitchen table, we're gonna say that was fucked up. If it didn't, like, I affected me. I'll always say that. Like, kid calls always affect me. And I said, and here are the resources, and we're going to check on on you guys in a week's time to say, hey, are you still sleep- are you sleeping well? Do you need resources? I got a great counselor network I can connect you with. Like, like let's just talk about it because that is not normal to push that shit down. That is uh-huh. not that is not normal. Yeah, it is. No, not normal and not yeah. healthy for sure. So right. I watched uh, um, the podcast you were on the the ten eight podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And- Christian's awesome. Yeah. It, great podcast, man. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, cool. But you said something on there and I wanted to, to get some clarification from you. You were talking about um, basically that of checking in on your people afterwards. And then, you know, if you run a critical call, you know, sending guys home and, and things like yeah. that in today's climate with, of course, we talked about earlier how short staffed we are and, yeah. you know, you guys are as well. Is that a feasible option? I mean, I mean, how do you put, how do you put the price on someone's mental health? And I know staffing that you take staffing, you put that off to a side right now, yeah. because what is your biggest asset on your job? It isn't a fire truck. It's not a fire hall. It's not anything. It's your people. Exactly. You can't take care of your biggest asset. You're failing as a fire chief, retire or you're fired. And that's like the bottom line. So if you have people that are critical, went to a critical incident and you expose them again to another critical incident, right? And another like, there's nothing to say I went to a hanging and then we go back and we just went to an MVI with a kid that got killed. Back-to-back calls, right? Talk about compounding the critical incident. So sometimes logistically, you can't take those crews off. You're just running call after call. But if you really believe in your assets and taking care of your people, you're 100% going to call, hey, going to call it more overtime. It's the fucking cost of doing business, man. What's the cost of a suicide or a person that's off for a year on a mental health issue? Like in BC, cost of a claim, 190 grand to have a guy off. One member off for one year, $190,000. That's, tell me how much an overtime crew is going to cost you for four, four people, two people, whatever. It's yeah. a fucking drop in the bucket, man. When you think of the impact and then your people feel supported, they're able to go do some R&R you know, hug their family, whatever they need to do, come back rested. Yeah. Well, so, and that, that brings me to what I've been saying for forever of, we need to be more proactive about that stuff. Yeah, like w- we can't let it get to the point where guys no. are, you know, and I use guys or girls interchangeably. Sure. It just means everybody. So just for yeah. clarification's sake, whenever you have people that get to the point where they have to be off for a year, yeah, we've waited too long. 
Oh, you fail. Yeah. 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 Your, your yeah, leadership absolutely. is failing. Like yeah. the, the people that are in the station with them have been failing yeah. because yeah. look, you, you can't look at me and say, you know, as much time as Chris and I spend together that yeah. we're not going to notice when stuff is going yeah. off the rails. Hell yeah. And you should, we have to if have, you're a good human. <laughs> yeah. And, and we have to have, I the, didn't notice. Well, <laughs> I didn't notice. Well, in, in, your, in your defense, I, we, I don't like him that much. I just <laughs> in your defense, we hadn't worked together for a while for before that. No, that had been a long while. Yeah. So, but anyway, so when you're working mm-hmm. with somebody day in and day out, we have to have the courage to stand up and say, Hey, are you okay? And then yeah. make them talk to you, yeah. you know, not, not pussyfoot around and do the whole passing in the hallway. Hey man, yeah, you know, love you, brother. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you got to invest true. some time in the people that you work with. It yeah. will just a little bit of proactivity yeah. will save. I mean, it'll save these departments and it'll save our people. Well, I think yep. just asking the question after a call in the right way. So yeah. Like, sincerely. Bring up, you know, the old crusty captain. I had those. Jeremy had those. <laughs> we yeah. remember that. We, we remember that. We, there's still, yeah. we still have a few that are kind of yeah. like that in it, but even I've noticed a change in those guys here yeah. recently where they're asking the question differently. Good. And, you know, I know I, I've asked the question differently. There's been a few times yeah. on some calls and like, all yeah. right, so we get back to the station. I'll talk to the crew. Yeah. I love that. And we have to have more of those conversations and it has to be sincere, right? It has to be done authentically and yeah. organically. And I, and I like what you're saying because you also, there's the other flip side too, is you got to have the capacity and the time to ask those questions properly. Cause if you don't want, if you want a 10 second answer, then don't ask the question. So if you really do care, man, like, like you said, in the truck bay, it's not, it's not, Hey brother, how you doing? It's like, Hey man, like really, how are you doing? And taking the time, it's your body language, it's your positioning. I'm ready to receive whatever shit you got to dump on me, man. So, I mean, that's the crux of peer support or just being a good human is be ready to listen too, and know the resources. I think that's another part is that, you know, so, so I work in the union executive world and I've asked, I was at a conference where I asked the union executive who bargain our benefits and are at that table. I'm like, who knows what mental health benefits do you guys have? Your employee assistance programs, whoever, your psychological benefits. And I had one hand out of probably 180 people that said, I know what my benefits are. I'm like, I think that's unacceptable. Like we need to know what resources are available. So when someone does take a knee or put up their hand, we, we can direct them to the right resources and, and get them help, right? Saying that's a critical piece. Yeah. for sure well yeah. and that's you know unfortunately the the sad fact of it is the resources at least here mm-hmm. are limited really? you know we we have you know there are several programs around in our area that deal with first responders and veterans exclusively right. um and you know there are a few counselors that do the same thing but there's not enough of them for as yeah. many of us as there are and the need mm-hmm. they're going through, they have the same call volume versus, you know, yeah. it, it's yeah. the same for them. They're short staff too. If you want to, use, yeah. you know, oh, say yeah. that. universally. Yeah. yeah. And true. so, you know, you run into the situation of, well, I have this firefighter and they need help and you know, this and that. Okay. Well, let's get them with a therapist or let's get them through EAP or through one of our other programs. It's like, okay, well we can get them in, in three months. Yeah. That's, ah, that's oh, man. again, 
we waited too long and they need help right now. You know, yeah. it's, it's Crazy. frustrating. That, that aspect yeah. of it is super frustrating. So, yeah, I think our focus here, I mean, just generally from our, like a strategic point of view is you talk about this downstream over the waterfall, I call it like they require inpatient. They've waited too long. Like they're damaged. They're actually have a post-traumatic stress injury is yeah. us focusing our energy on education and upstream stuff. And, you know, I tell anybody, I do a new recruit talk. So we're hiring 12 coming up here and I'll be chatting with them. It's like, don't wait till you had your 100th call or your first critical incident to talk to a mental health professional. For us, it's like, get connected, start a relationship, get them to know you. So then when the shit hits the fan, because it will, you'll have someone that already knows you. You've already had a conversation with, you're comfortable with, you feel safe with, and said, check in on them. Like you've got, we've got benefits like get at them before the shit hits a fan before you're over the waterfall and build that relationship. And then, then you can get in front of it. Right. Yeah, and well, so it's, it's just on how you approach it. Right. But you got to have the people to do it. Like you said, you got to yeah. have people that know our job too. Like I've spent the last three years, four years with my buddy who started first responder health. And we basically taught mental health professionals about our occupation. We went around all over BC after three provinces, we went across. And we, we got in front of counselors, mental health professionals, psychologists, psychiatrists, clinical counselors, and we taught them about the job, how we talk, the barriers, the logistics, the operations, but also the stoic work culture, the, you know, maladaptive mechanisms of drinking and substance use. And so we talked about all those things. And we've got this well over 400 people in our network here in BC that actually took at least two days with us. And I didn't sugarcoat it it was kind of good cop bad cop he was like he's a mental health professional and a firefighter and i'm just the firefighter so i'm the crusty old <laughs> captain now and i give him the raw goods man but they they appreciated the honesty because it gave him a perspective that this is how we need to treat first responders these are the challenges that they have and this is kind of how you got to set up your office your practice and then knowing that it took me a year to get up the courage to take a knee to come talk to you and I've got 25 years of baggage and that ruts, rucksack, like how helping that person put that down for a bit and helping them unpack that, that's what we kind of taught them. We didn't teach them how to be mental health professionals, but how to handle yeah. us as patients. Because we are definitely probably the most challenging, <laughs> <laughs> offensive. I have quite a that it's uh, international, <laughs> even though it's north of the yeah. border, that <laughs> it just carries right oh, over man. where we are. Or, yeah, or, or comes to the south, however you want to look at it. Dude, I love it. I've got buddies that are firefighters from Florida to freaking white to to Alaska, man. Like I've I get the I've got the very good pleasure of meeting so many people in the unionized world that it truly is an international brother and sisterhood. And man, we are cut from the same cloth. Doesn't matter where you're from, as yeah. far as I'm oh, concerned. Yeah. It's so hilarious, man. And and that's the uh that's the prime example or the best example or best reason why therapists that deal with us need to have cultural competency <laughs> you need to know what is walking through your front door <laughs> right absolutely and i know the iff they're beta testing uh they're doing they just did two beta tests on uh, a clinician course for and they didn't even put them through a fire ops and i thought that was a unique way to approach things so they're trying to build a network as well but i think we're we're about four years ahead of the iff when it comes to that um just because we're a little bit more nimble and and we you know started grassroots and yeah. Well, you know, so, it, any big organization like that to 
course correct and start programs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you're talking about moving the needle a tenth of a degree, mm-hmm. yeah, and not, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, no, yeah. I, I was looking at, uh, you know, your website and all that's the the links that you sent me earlier today, oh, yeah. and yeah, it's it seems to me like you guys have a really good thing going up there in BC, and for sure, you, you know, and talking how we've talked today, um, yeah you you guys have done it right and taken the the right steps to get to where you need to get so yeah it's funny what motivates you right when people start falling over that waterfall you really you know it's 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 our job to do something about it man that's this i don't like sitting in the wings and we are going to do everything and we've got a conference coming up uh next week two-day conference um it's a bc first responder mental health conference we've got 330 people sold out last November and we've got it's per police paramedics. We've got customs there. I mean, it's, it's, un, it's going to be unreal. So, and we've got some speakers from the States as well as Canadians and we've got people internationally coming over from Australia. It's, it's going to be awesome. So definitely there's a caring community out there, but man, we just got so much more work to do. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess we need to go to Canada now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, see, you know, it's one of those things where you got to look outside your backyard and your neighborhood to see what somebody else is doing because it might work here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've... for sure. And what, yeah, you guys are getting some wicked guests on there, man. Like you are definitely getting connected and getting ideas. And my my good friends out of the Florida Firefighter Safety Collaborative, like they're doing some amazing, amazing work down there. You got, you know sam eaton and the gang that were focusing on cancer largely and i don't i'm not sure if you're familiar with the florida uh firefighters safety collaborative but they're tied directly in with miami and uh the university there and um sylvester cancer clinic and they're doing a ton of mental health work as well they're doing some clinician training they've got a clinician network through redline rescue like there's some awesome little pockets of awesomeness everywhere that yeah. uh we get tied in too so you, you got some great stuff out of there and just some out of california there's my buddy ben vernon out of san diego fire him and his um tina consola she's doing some amazing work on the west coast with um her helping first responders and so it's just a matter of connecting all those right and yeah. having those yeah. like-minded people firing on all cylinders because we're so siloed and i think that's what i love about doing these podcasts is that it's like seeing what else is out there right and connecting really like-minded people so yeah Absolutely. That's what fires me up. The, the bigger the network can be, you know, Yeah. and you know, who knows, somebody might watch this who's in Colorado or, you know, Michigan or somewhere and go, you know what? I'm getting on board with that. I'm going to start something here. And we're about to be international, man. He's going to tell his crew and they're (laughs) going to watch it. And bam, that's going to be the start of it. Next thing you know, it's going across the ocean. (laughs) I'm sure he met somebody in Hawaii the other day. He's going to tell them. (laughs) That's uh, that's how it begins, man. Yeah. Yeah. So you're another uh, podcast I was on with my, uh, with James gearing from behind the shield there. I don't know if you're familiar with that guy, but he Uh, is me. No, but he's got some wicked connect connections, man. Like it's they, they, I think these podcast networks of firefighters are really getting internationally renowned for sure because they're they've got there's no ego they've got an interest in in meeting like-minded people and there's guests from like you had laura white lori white on there from mm-hmm. you know she was awesome and she's gonna be one of our speakers at a conference like oh that's fantastic the, it's so cool man and she's got such a wicked story of resilience right and yeah. so 
the more the word gets out and the more these connect with each other and you know you listen i love that you listen to christian's podcast because he listens to everyone else's podcast too right and you get ideas for guests and uh, yeah. it just keeps that conversation going it's awesome you guys like i just love i love that we're having these conversations oh yeah and being able to cross the lines too of yeah. you know fire and police and ems and the veteran yeah. community and you know because we're yeah. all dealing with the same problems in a different way yeah. you know big time uh, you know yeah. police are a little bit different than fire but it's kind of the oh, same yeah. and ems it's the same yeah. thing and veterans are different but the same and yep. you know it's it's a community that really meshes well together for lack yeah. of a a better term yeah. um it does because they can relate to each other right because yeah. trauma bonds right when yeah. trauma is trauma stress is stress like no matter how it comes at you we're going to the same calls i mean we're not i can't relate to somebody in the military but i got a ton of military friends and it is you know it's interesting this is kind of a sidebar but when we did a we interviewed 30 firefighters for our resiliency program to find out what the needs were and some of them were ex-military, but the two doctors had done a ton of work with guys that were in Afghanistan, Bosnia, like a, a ton of rural, like Rwanda, nasty, nasty conflicts, right? With a lot of carnage and kids getting killed and shit like that. Well, when they interviewed the firefighters, it's like, it was a whole nother, just trying to make that connection between the military and the fires. Like they go to a tour of duty and then they come back and they see some horrible shit. We're doing a tour of duty every set. Mm -hmm. And it's 30 years of that. And what they've discovered was the body count from someone like our, like us that like, if you started doing a body count, it's like, yeah, they may have had a conflict where there's 20 people got killed. Now I've, we've seen 20 people in four months get killed. Like it's not to sensationalize it, but in a 30 yeah. year career, they were blown away at the body count. And we don't even think anything of it because you're so desensitized. Like I yeah. just went to another cardiac. It's like, Oh, fucking well, she was 75. She lived a pretty good life. Like, don't think you know, but that's another body count. It's another rock in the backpack. I don't care who you are. You're putting that back there. Yep. And, and then you're going to drive. Surprising. Yeah. And then you're going to drive by that house on your way home from the shift. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so you you're really traumatized. You're not, you're never leaving the conflict. Yeah. So, but yeah. that relatability of police paramedics, like we do, we go to the same calls. We may have different ways of coping and different protective factors. I think fire has got an advantage to be quite honest with you, because we've got this brother and sisterhood we spent a ton of, ton of time at the kitchen table. Last night I was cook, cook helping my crew cook dinner, right? So there's a lot of bonding going on where I don't think our other first responder families have that. They're, yeah. you know, they're in a car by themselves or running two by two. And, and it's just, it's a different world, right? Yeah. So I think we're, we're fortunate that way most of the time. Yeah. I would yeah. definitely, I definitely agree with that. With that. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, my station, I've got, 13 other people there, you know, yeah. cause it's, it's a, a big family. Got, yeah. We got, a, you know, the battalion chief and me and then the pumper and the truck and the ambulance and, you know, there's yep. always somebody around yeah. and, but you know, you look out and see the cop drive by and they're in their cruiser <laughs> by themselves. By themselves. <laughs> and yeah. the only time they see anybody else is if they stop yeah. at quick trip and, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, Oh, Hey Bob, how you doing? And then back in their car and they're driving around some more. <laughs> Yeah, it's so, great, man. It's, I, I always uh, tell them they're always welcome for whatever. Absolutely. They, they want to eat lunch or dinner sure. with us or yeah. you want yeah. some coffee at, at 2 in the morning. Somebody's probably up. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. That's awesome. 
good old friends for sure. Uh, yeah, especially yeah. on the weekends or if there's a Call of Duty or Madden tournament going on, then yeah, there's, there's no telling what time we'll go to bed at that point. <laughs> yeah. uh, right on. That's and they awesome always want guys. me to play because I'm the worst one in video games. <laughs> like, easy win. You're in. <laughs> easy win. I love it. That's awesome. Fantastic. Oh, it just depends on cool. where I work, how many people we got. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're still floating. I'm still, I'm still floating. I just got promoted not too long ago. <laughs> right on. I get bounced from station to station, but. Oh, uh, you're a gypsy right now. Right I, now. I enjoyed that because yep. you got to see everybody, but it's definitely nice having your old hall, your own station. It is. For sure. But it's, yeah. it's been not, I haven't taken a detail in eight years, I think. Oh, yeah. Because I, I worked as a medic when I was a firefighter, and then as a driver, you don't take details. Yeah. So I wouldn't have driver that long. But yeah. <laughs> worked one shift as a driver. I worked I worked one pay period as a driver. Oh <laughs> it's just wow. the, it just it's the way it worked. I got hurt yeah. and then I had oh, okay. surgeries over the year and I got promoted while I was off. And then <laughs> I came back for two weeks as a driver and got promoted again. <laughs> it's just wow. but it counts. It yeah. counts as yeah. I worked as a driver. Sure. Yeah, exactly. But so it's been nice stuck. taking the details and meeting people I've never met before. Yeah, that's right. You'd never do that normally. So it's no, good. Yeah. That's cool. Well, and it's good, you know, as far as developing whatever your leadership style is going to be, because you do have yeah. to deal with so many different personalities and you oh, get Lord, to see, yeah. and I don't know how your department is, but you know, you can go to this station over here and they do, we'll say hose deployment. They do it this way. And then you yeah. go to this station and they do it this way. And it's like, okay, well, you just got to figure out uh, which one's better for me, you know? <laughs> as, the as long as the hose, hose come pulled. off the rig. Yeah. yeah. That's all I care yeah. about. Yeah. That's all you got I water care. out the end, we're winning. So yeah. yeah. Good. No, we don't have any kinks. Perfect. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time you were at a fire and there were no kinks in the hose? <laughs> oh, well. Cool. Steve, you got, uh, you got some more for us or uh... – well, oh God, I know we're we're in the midst of um, God, man, I got a bunch of things going on right now. Like we're we're thinking about running a pilot with ketamine. I don't know what you guys' thoughts on uh, psychedelic assisted therapy, but we're just kind of jumping into that world. So, absolutely, a, yeah, got a, a cool. You did say ketamine, actually, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I did hear ketamine. that right. Okay. Yeah, have you not that's heard great. about? I know yeah. I'd, I'd like to go down the K hole and see what that's about. <laughs> no, but... come on, dude. Let's bring it back it's... in. Bring it back yeah, in. What? So nothing wrong with that. So, Steve, if you could, Steve, ex- yeah, I have. I haven't heard the the psychedelics. Like, <laughs> give me some mushrooms. Yeah. I'll be happy. Yeah. Well, we can talk about so, mushrooms too. That's... We can for sure. Psilocybin and ketamine, and I think a, this is a burgeoning field. It's been around for quite a while, right? But like going down the cable, but yeah. ultimately that is, that's seriously what it is, but it's, um, it's medically monitored. There's a, a psychology piece to this where you're in group counseling, individual counseling, and then there's weekend sessions of ketamine where they actually get you led down that, that ketamine assisted piece. And then you come out of it and there's more group work behind that. But is it all works on that neuroplasticity of the brain, basically. So it's like these complex PTSD cases or people that are treatment resistant and that ketamine piece under the right guidance actually opens your brain up to healing. And so a traditional, you know, cognitive behavior therapy or talk therapy or whatever doesn't seem to get it for some of our, our people. And this is first responders, nurses, you know, military, et cetera. And we've put people through this already in a pilot. 
and the results are unreal, man. Like, mm-hmm. like life changing where they're like, I've been doing treatment for years and I have not been able to shift my, I'm still an asshole. Right. And our whole job is turning assholes and assets. And this is another tool to do that. And, you know, in all seriousness aside, I mean, the K hole is a little quicker to go down and come back out of the psilocybin hole is hours of a trip. And, but they're still seeing that people that have that really complex PTSD, they're seeing shifts in their behavior, like, like leaps and bounds to health. So we're moving them from surviving to thriving. And it's, it's kind of crazy, man. Like we're really excited about this. Yeah, and sign me up for that. I want to try that. Yeah. <laughs> have, yeah. You guys, have you guys investigated or is it going to be part of the, the stellate ganglion block? Have you guys looked into that at all? No, not at all. No. So for, and the, we had a guest on the show, uh, Lauren Faringa from a hippie oh. and a veteran. She's actually based in Washington state. So okay. you might want to look her up. She's yeah, in your backyard. Sure. Um, okay. She's a she's a veteran and an activist for you know plant based medicine and the SGB um, through our VA to get it for okay. PTSD. Right. And so basically, what it is is it's a shot that you get in your neck that basically, and it's safe. It's been around since they've been doing it since the fifties, but it's oh, yeah. like was originally for like back pain or something. Um, and basically what it does is it calms those nerves down that keep you in the fight or flight response. Ah, and it allows you to do therapy like traditional therapy and actually work yeah. through stuff without getting so yeah. activated and that you yeah. can't even, you know, like tell the story of the scene that bothered you or something yeah. that's for those people, you know, love it. Yeah. That's very cool, man. Like anything to downregulate somebody that's hijacked like that, I think, and that, that's a problem is people get broken and then they're, they're unable to heal because of that. Like there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And I think anything we can do, whether it's plant-based or otherwise, make them feel safe. I mean, that's, that's the true, because we have a great capacity to heal, right? If you're given the right support and love and, and all those things and feel safe, you can heal from pretty much anything. We're very resilient people. Like just to get yeah. this job, think of like, I don't know, it took me a long time. It took me six years of trying and, and then I hate the people that say, "Oh, I just signed my name and I got the job." Like, <laughs> but, we'll just but, not yeah, talk. We'll get that part. <laughs> <laughs> so but the, it, truly, you got to be resilient to be part of this job. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like whenever during so during med school we had to do mental health rotation as yeah. part of our okay. clinicals, and yeah. one of the hospitals we went to they did the, for lack of a better term, it's electroshock therapy. So oh, yeah. it was real, real low dose, real control. Put them in a seizure. Like they'd come in in the morning and be zombies. They'd hit right. them with the with the electricity, start put on the temples, yeah. have their little seizure, go back and sleep it off. Then you saw them at lunch, back to normal. Different hey, person. how you doing? What's going on? I mean, very you know engaging and all that. And it was like, unreal. Because I, yeah. you know, I, yeah. all you'd ever heard was the horror stories. Yes. From the, and you know the asylums back in the day here. In the yeah. Country. Fight down on this and. Yeah, and they they hit them with high dose of electricity and now crazy you're seeing that the different response with the the serotonin uptake and you know, yeah. the dopamine and all of that yeah so it's well i mean crazy. those things work if they're done in the right way yeah that's right well and yeah anytime you get into the whole medicine piece of mental health you know mm-hmm. people get real skittish and stuff and a lot of it is because yeah. you know a lot of the meds that they were using they are permanent meds you know yeah. you're if you start taking this you can never get off of it you know, know. and scares the, the, 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm still up in the air about it, about how I really feel about, you know, obviously there are some times whenever you have a chemical imbalance that, yeah. you know, you need the meds or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. It's not a crutch. I think we're, our, our general, our doctors are so quick to prescribe. Right. And I think it's the same down there. It's pharmacy. Yeah. Big oh, pharma's yeah. got a, a well, big they, hand. They got on their that, hooks right? and everything. Absolutely. And and it's so easy to just say, Hey, you know, you're having some anxiety, depression, here's some meds. And it's, it's a, it's a quick fix, but the root mm-hmm. cause pieces, that's where people should do the heavy lifting and, and need the right resources. And they got to want to get better. You can't just rely on that. And medication definitely has its place. And, you know, we could definitely go down that rabbit hole, but I think it's a place to get you to a place where you can start healing whether yeah. it's like calming your nervous system, like you said, with a shot in the neck, I mean, that's great. As long as it launches you to getting, dealing with your shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, right? you got to do the work. Like I, yeah. I put out a, I put out a video the other day of, you know, awareness is great. That's great. Yeah. You know, you, you see all of these uh, charities and all this stuff of awareness, awareness, awareness. That's, yeah. that's fantastic that everybody's aware, but yeah. if everybody's aware, then, why isn't crap changing? Somebody's got to do yeah. something. So yeah. don't wait on other people to come save you. Like right. if you if you're in a house fire, you're gonna get out. You know, <laughs> or drive the gonna, bus. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna pull yeah. up. Like we're gonna be on the rig one night, and we're gonna pull up in front of this house, and it's going like crazy, and we're gonna look at each other and go, man, somebody ought to put that out. Yeah. Guess what? It's your job to put it out. Just like it's yeah. your job to do what you need to do to be mentally healthy. Oh, I love it. But you are aware that there's a fire. Exactly. So. Yeah. We're we're gonna make everybody aware that house that is, there's a fire. And that's exactly fire. the mental health thing, man. We are aware to shit, but it's like someone's gotta do something about this. Yeah. And it's you. You got and that's a whole personal ownership piece. But there's there's ownership for an employer. There's an, you said it, there's as us as, as coworkers, as peers, as friends, like there's, there's shared responsibility, but if you don't have that individual responsibility, yeah. um, I, I, I can't do it for you. And, you know, as a peer supporter, I support quite a few people through their little challenges and I've been supported myself, but the, the biggest thing is I might have to work the pedals a few times and steer, or get you back on track, but you're driving a freaking bus, man. Like if exactly. you're not driving, I can, I can't help you because yeah. I got burnt I'm, out trying to do that for everybody else. Like screw that. Yeah. You're I, I'm there to support. I'm not there yeah. to do. Exactly. You know, you, and yeah. you have to, I think that's a common misconception that whenever people think about therapy or whatever, going to see a counselor, yeah. it's like, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to sit on the couch and they're going to fix me. Yeah, no, no, they're going to give yeah. you a toolbox and yeah. it's up to you to open the toolbox, get out yeah. the tools and fix the, fix the problem. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you look at it as I look at, I like using this analogy, like mental health can be like a, like climbing Everest, right? But having a mental health Sherpa to help you carry some stuff, whether it's friends, coworkers, or therapists, you got to have a mental health therapist. You got to have a mental health Sherpa. And maybe it's not just a therapist, but you got to have someone helping you in that journey. And because it's a big mountain to climb sometimes. It's scary, especially when you've already over the waterfall, right? So throwing yeah, your yeah, life you got to have those goals. Thing. Just like just like an Everest, you have different camps you yeah, make. Yeah, base you camp. Know? Yeah, it's a yeah. great so analogy. Each, each time, so you start. All right, we're gonna climb up to, to our base camp one. So you're yeah. starting at the, at the ground floor. That's your. I'm fucked Love up. It. I need help. Yeah. Then yeah. Your therapy is your base camp, and then <laughs> yeah. you, know, you just keep keep going. All of a sudden, you're yeah. at the top of Everest, and and you've summited, right? Yeah. yeah, you're looking down. You're like, oh, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna make you that know. a shirt. 
Yeah, I that's, love it. That's a t-shirt right there. What's that? Darn right. The fantastic. mental health oh, climbing the mountain shirt. Yeah. Come on, man. I can't do all of the heavy lifting. <laughs> I, I didn't know which part you're talking about. <laughs> uh, no, but I think, and that's for our world. We use acronyms. We love analogies, right? It's like putting wet stuff on the red stuff. And we've got, we've got so many of those that we can definitely... And, and just using, you know, took the Fireground Survival recently, and one of my buddies, he's one of the, the instructors, and they use Breathe, Orient, Act, BOA, for when they're get, when your situational awareness is lost and you're stuck in a fire. And, and just taking that moment and applying that to your own mental health is like, shit has hit the fan. I'm going to breathe and think about what the problem is, and then I'm going to act. And I love these little quick little acronyms that kind of translate from the Fireground over and having that 360 man we're constantly scanning why not do a 360 inside and say hey what's going on what is my blood pressure up and my heartbeat's racing i'm clenching my fist like what's going on what and you know are my snapping on my kids like having those internal 360s guys can relate to that right i can yeah. i'm i get the fire ground man but what about internalizing that for ourselves and our own and another buddy of mine said i would i love is like don't be afraid of the checkup for the neck up Yep. And I thought, that's freaking love that. Like, why not? We always worry about our physical bodies. What about the freaking, you go to the yeah. dentist, why don't you go get your head checked? So, exactly. I love it. It's all yeah. about yeah. proactive and preventative. Yeah, let's, exactly. Let's do those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on. Oh, well, Steve, you thank are. you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Um, do you have any final thoughts for us besides check up from the neck up? <laughs> Check up for the neck up. I think just circling back to that whole self-care piece, man, we are so entrenched in taking care of everybody else, families, workers, the society, communities, that we got to take care of ourselves. So not being afraid to take a knee, knowing that self-care is not selfish, and really like finding things that fill your cup up, I think, because you can't give from an empty bucket, right? So like, I honestly think, you know, getting hope and meaning and back in your life is really critical. If you've lost it and taking really good care of yourself, I'd leave you with that. I challenge everybody to, to do that. Cool. Chris, my bud. I'm, I'm going to stick with the check out from the neck up. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I think that was a perfect way to end it. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you know, it encompasses everything. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You're not, you're not wrong. Just don't be afraid to take care of your crews. Even, you know, doesn't matter what yeah. rank you are. Mental health has no rank. Absolutely. And you got to check on each other. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for stopping by. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you are struggling, reach out. There are resources out there. If you know somebody that's struggling, reach out to them. Let them know you care. Let them know what the resources are. And uh, thanks to Steve for sharing with us today. Appreciate it, man. And uh, we will see you next time.